0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the If You Mark In Your Bible podcast. Today, we are looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, We're going to start in verse 1 and go as far as we can. Today, we have uh, my guest, and I think it's fitting that uh, we are studying Timothy, uh, because I'm reminded a lot of Timothy when I think of our guest, Noah Olson. Um. Noah, give us just a little bit of uh, details about yourself.
1: For sure. Well, again, i want to thank Josh for having me on today. Um, I'm a preacher at the Blue Springs Church of Christ in Blue Springs, Missouri. Actually, I was privileged to graduate from Memphis School of Preaching. i will be a year from this coming Sunday, actually. So, um, And I've been preaching at Blue Springs since October and loved it ever since.
0: So, That's great, Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, and I were classmates at Memphis. Uh, so, uh, hold him, uh, as well as the rest of our classmates in high esteem and, and very fortunate that you're here. Uh, just to give a brief, a very brief, uh, background of Second Timothy, it's likely, uh, Paul's final epistle, uh, at least inspired, uh, epistle, um, in it. Uh, you can tell there's a sense of Paul. Paul knows that his, his time on this earth is coming to an end. And that's noticeable on the fact that he tells Timothy to hurry as quick as he can. Uh, Paul would eventually be executed at the end, uh, around 68, 69, somewhere in there, AD, uh, by Nero. And, uh, when we look at the author of Hebrews, we know it would appear that Timothy was imprisoned as well at some point uh, and then was going to be released. Uh, and so uh, he writes to the young preacher. uh This is some of my favorite passages of scripture. Uh, but in verse one, he says, I charge you in the presence of God. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ, who is to judge of the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. The word charge there I've underlined. Uh, and that's the Greek word dia marturomai, uh, which that doesn't mean much to most, uh, until we look at the root word, uh, of it. Uh, in that, if you take the dia off the front, the omai at the end, we're left with the Greek word martyr, where we transliterate into the English, uh, our word martyr, uh, which is somebody who's going to or willing, and and eventually does, like Paul, give his life for what he believes. Uh, And so that's the the thought behind this word charge is what he's about to say. What I'm charging you is something for which Timothy, the young preacher, and then by extension us as Christians, should be willing to lose our lives uh, for. Excuse me. Uh, and then you go into the next portion when he says that he, he testifies and, and that's what this word means. I testify, testify. This is a testimony in which you're willing to give your die for and I, uh, or give your life for. And I'm testifying in front of God and Christ Jesus. Uh, the two highest witnesses that you could charge somebody with. Uh, and again, he's in Spain and you can add the Holy Spirit to that group so i think the whole godhead is involved here because the father's mentioned the son's mentioned and it's the holy spirit who's inspiring paul to write these words and so we know that the that whatever he's going to say after this I, i i would argue is a matter of life and death and and whatever he says after this timothy should be willing to give his life in obedience to these commands uh, then he goes on and he says, uh, Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Uh There are three influential truths to this charge. In other words, three things that are serving as a motivation for it. First, number one is the appearing of Christ. And I have I've underlined uh judge in this passage. And I put John 12, and verse seven, or I'm sorry, 12, and verse 47, where Jesus makes the point that he came not to judge, but to save. And so we're not talking about Jesus coming initially. What we're talking about here is the appearing that we're talking about uh, is his final appearing on the day of judgment. So the first is the appearing. The second is the judgment in which he will judge everybody. And the third is the kingdom in which he is going to either grant entrance or deny entrance into. And so when you consider that, the, the martyrdom of the word charge the witnesses as far as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the inspiration of Paul, and then the motivation behind it, the appearing of Christ uh, the second time, the judgment that we're all going to have to stand before him uh, on that day of judgment, and the fact that we're talking about entrance or denial into his kingdom. When you consider all that, there's a, a very solemn tone uh, to this uh, section of scripture and so when you read it from that standpoint and I think everything in the Bible is worthy of attention but it feels like Paul is trying to put more emphasis on everything that's about to follow this particular passage and so then he goes in to verse 2 preach the word be ready in season and out season reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching noah you have anything
1: <laughs> yeah i was just i mean you were saying about verse one it kind of goes with verse two I, I put this note just by verse two um is that verse two is commanded because of verse one um and it kind of goes along with what you were saying is that the so much importance is placed on that preach the word and i, I put a little note beside verse two uh which is a mantra for all preachers, uh, preach the word. Um, you can also write, I think it's John 12 and verse 32. I didn't write this, just came to my mind, sir, we would see Jesus uh, placing the importance on the word, uh, placing the importance on Jesus. And and because of that, I mean, Acts 17, verse 30 and 31, because of the judgment, uh, there is a, a heavy importance uh, upon um, our our duty as preachers and I don't know this is just more what I have on verse 2 but I put a number of just the different things that Paul lists in verse 2, I think there's 6 number 1, preach the word um, that's required by all preachers, number 2, be instant in season out of season, that's 2 and 3 uh, do it when it's easy simply and do it when it's hard <laughs> um, do it when the crowd is accepting of it do it when the crowd is uh, not accepting of it and uh, then number four reprove that's to to tell a fault number five rebuke that's to admonish number six exhort, and then with all long suffering and doctrine or teaching, I like what josh had e s it was the e s v that said complete patience
0: yeah with complete patience and teaching
1: yeah, I like that um and so again, this is the <laughs> your requirements for all for all all Christians in a sense, but specifically preachers since he's writing to a young preacher Timothy.
0: no that's a great point uh and i do think context wise uh we are are speaking to a young preacher so uh but that word uh that greek word caruso is a i think sometimes we we simply associate it with uh standing before the congregation and preaching god's word uh but it's a more general term as far as just heralding the good news, which is the responsibility everyone has as a Christian to do uh, based on the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Uh, so everything that's mentioned after that fact, after the preach the word, the instructions given to Timothy apply to everybody. Uh, it's not just preachers, even though the context here is preachers, and it especially applies to preachers. Uh, according to James, there's a, a, a harsher punishment for teachers if they don't do it. And, and so, uh, but that's a great point. Everything hinges on that though, the, the preaching of the word, uh, because you can reprove somebody, you can rebuke somebody, and you can exhort somebody with false doctrine. Uh, but so I think it's important in, in, in by design. Uh, from Paul to put that, that simple phrase, preach the word at the very beginning. Everything after this is going to be based upon, uh, that fact, the word. Um, what's interesting about this is, um, the, the words reprove, rebuke, and exhort are without participles. They're heiress, active imperative. So they're commands, but they're mentioned without participles, which uh, make them, uh, as one commentator said, uh, militaristic in uh, nature. And when you think about uh, someone in the military giving commands, they're very straight, to the point. uh, And there's usually no uh, room for interpretation, personal interpretation. Uh, And I, I think Paul does this. Uh, intentionally, I think it ties back to the solemnness, uh, of the charge that we talked about in verse one. Uh, but this is also going to, uh, play a part here in the future. So just as we go through this, keep in mind, uh, the fact that there are no participles. It's a very, uh, direct to the point military style of command, uh, in this particular, uh, section. So that's what I, I, I just put a note next to verse two. Uh, military command and underline reprove, rebuke, uh, and exhort. I also circled the word and, which is a coordinating conjunction that shows equality, uh, between the two. And I think, unfortunately, uh, the and gets ignored today. Uh, you, you usually kind of find yourself on one of the extremes as far as. Patience, uh, sometimes, and we'll just talk about people in the church, uh, specifically. Uh, So either you find some, you find some who are patient, uh, to a, to, too much of an extent, uh, to the point where they become tolerant of things for which, of which they should not be tolerant, or you have the teaching part where there's no patience, and uh, they use the doctrine of God's word almost to browbeat people uh, in order to bring them about. And And I think it's very important that Paul stresses the equality between the two. Uh, yeah. Sometimes when we want to preach the truth, we lose the patience aspect of them. And we come off very rigid and heartless. Whereas in sometimes we go to the other extreme, not wanting to appear that way. And then we become tolerable of, of sin, uh, which we obviously shouldn't. Sure. Yeah. So. Jesus. That's how Jesus
1: was. Uh, there were times where it was, uh, you know, reprove and rebuke, but he off- always, there was always grace that was, that was offered.
0: And Absolutely. Patient... Oh, that's a, now, And that's a great point. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say that balance is very important, you know, um, I think it's been said that the gospel is a two-thirds negative, one-third positive. That might be true, but um, you know the, the importance of, of balance. Every time we go to an extreme, we're, we're always hurt, whether it be to the right or left. There, there's always always pain.
0: <clears throat> no, that's that's a great point, and and I'm glad you brought up Jesus because uh, I'm always reminded in, in instances like this. You, you, you know, you, for example, John 4, you see how he deals with, uh, the woman at the well. Very tender, even though when, especially when she asked the question, uh, pertaining to worship, uh, he, he told her she was wrong. Her and the Samaritans worshiping at Mount Gerizim was wrong. Uh, but the attitude with which you know, she went away, and she didn't go away offended because he didn't deliver that message in a, in a hateful way. And, then you look at how he deals with the Pharisees, those who should have known better, and he there is a lot of rebuke in that. But then you look at how he dealt with Nicodemus in John three. And I think patience and long suffering was at the forefront of what Jesus was was doing, uh, but he never compromised doctrine ever. Uh and so I think that's a great example and a great thing to point out. Anything else on uh verse two, Noah?
1: Yeah, just I I went through this and I, I was going through all those like the six different uh, things in verse two, and you can think about I, I drew you can draw this lesson is that you know Paul practiced what he preached. You can go through other, you know, I think the book of Acts and other things in which he did all these things. He preached the word. He did so in season when you know, when the quote crowd was uh, re- wanting to receive it, and then he did it when specifically you know the Jews I you know, would. Uh, be against him. He reproved. I'm reminded of, you know, how he wrote to Corinth, first Corinthians five, uh, or how he dealt with Peter, Galatians two, rebuking uh, and also exhorting Acts 14 with the uh, Antioch there. I believe it is, uh, verses 21 and 22. And so I just drew that lesson, you know, um, elderly preachers not only should preach the word, but also live that and be a preach by example.
0: Uh, that's a great point. Very good. Anything else on two? Nope. Mm -mm. All right. So Paul, you know, gives the charge and then he gives the reason for the charge. And I think uh, we'll just read verses three and four together, because uh, this is why Paul is so solemn about the commands that he's making uh, to the young preacher, Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not endorse uh, sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from the listening to the truth and wander off into myth or into myths. What do you have, Noah?
1: Well, I think this is interesting. Uh specifically, well, verse three, I read a couple of cross references or just references. I put first Timothy four one through three. Uh, Paul also talks to Timothy about uh, people who are going to seduce uh doctrines of devils, things like that. And then also, um, I put Second Timothy three one through eight, you know, in uh, chapter three of this book, he talks about that. And then Second Thessalonians two one through twelve, just kind of cross referencing there. But I think it's interesting. I I had this note in my other Bible. It was actually from Brother Alan Webster. I I like this thought. He said that popular preachers provide the latest tickles, and I like that. That That's a cool little pithy thought there, but. It is also interesting, specifically in verse four, two, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. It's not talking, I, I don't believe, about the preachers. It's talking about the people who would turn their own ears away from the truth. Um, there's the responsibility upon the hearer to make sure that what they're hearing is correct, but what they're doing is is right as well.
0: Oh, that's a great point. Um, and, and on that note, I've uh, I've circled the word ears in verse three. Uh, and, and put the one, the audience, not the preacher. And here you have the audience dictating the preacher. This, this term itching ears is just a term that the English, uh, we really don't have any, uh, anything as far as, uh, I don't, is it idioms, uh, that, that match that. So they just, so the translators just took it from the Greek. That was a Greek, uh, phrase that they simply used. And I think Paul used itching ears uh, to indicate that we are talking about the audience. We're not talking about the preachers. The audience is the one dictating the message uh, that is preached, uh, which is a good point. Uh, I also think uh, the phrase, uh, for the time will come when people, uh, I think the King James uh, Version uses the word they, for the time will come when they. uh, I don't think we're talking about the world in general. I think this is more specific. I think we're talking about uh, the church, uh, Christians, Uh, and and I use the term Christian in the more specific sense that it was probably used in the first century. Today, it's been more generalized. Uh, But then I think we're talking about those in the church for the time will come when those in the church will uh, not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching. Sound teaching, I, I circled that word or that phrase and I put the touchstone of true character. Uh, And you and I uh, could easily, if we wanted to, we won't. But if we wanted to, just start rattling off topics uh, that a preacher could preach and uh, would learn the true character of those in the audience. Uh, uh, Just by by, teaching about heaven, everyone's going to enjoy that. Everyone's going to enjoy the sacrifice of Jesus and, and those things. But then there are some topics that go back to that phrase Be an in season, uh, instant in season and out of season where, uh, unfortunately, there's some who will avoid those topics altogether because they don't want to offend somebody. Uh, and, and so when you do preach sound doctrine, you are, are essentially putting a measuring stick out in the middle of the audience, uh, and the character of an individual will start to come out based on some of the things that are taught. Um, Itching ears. Uh, I like that uh, note that you made as far as uh, what Brother Webster gave us, uh, but that's the thought behind it—a preference for the new and novel. Uh, and they're also looking for uh, an echo chamber. Errors, uh, echo chamber is what I put next to it, uh, and and they they want someone. They have their their belief. They want to isegiate their belief into the passage. And they want to find someone who's simply going to uh, justify what they already believe without uh, any type of of objectivity or or humility when they do study the scriptures. Um, Go ahead. I
1: was just going to say that that makes preach the word even more powerful. I mean, you know, it's it's not putting our own, like you said, not putting our own thoughts in the scriptures is pulling out what, you know, um, and, and it's a sad thing to see many members of the church, preachers of you know of Christ's church do that, trying to find something new or trying to, 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 to find something that, you know, is, is this new and great thing that uh, I find Romans one sixteen 16, the gospels power
0: of salvation. Right. Well, that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, I know the audience is being spoken of here, but I do think some of the error today falls on the preacher. Uh, And the reason I say that is because I think there's some who, I don't know what's the best way to say this. Uh, maybe the issues that they have with preaching the truth are more more in their head than reality uh if that makes sense uh they think somebody's gonna have an issue with this sermon, and there may be some who do, but there are people out there who want who want god's word they want book chapter and verse uh they don't want the illustra- you know i'm not I'm nothing against illustrations or anecdotes or, or quotes or anything like that I'm not trying to uh to say there's anything wrong with it but they should be enlightening us to god's word if it helps us understand god's word then they have a place in the sermon if they don't then they don't have a place in it Uh but i think sometimes preachers create an ish a mountain out of a molehill, when it comes to these things when the reality is there are many in the audience who do want the the word of god uh and and unfortunately they may cater to the minority uh rather than doing what uh Paul teaches here uh to Timothy. I've underlined wandered off in the Uh that for that Greek phrase literally means turned aside to uh fables. Uh and the the idea behind it is they're gonna believe I just have believe fairy tales. Uh so the things without substance, whatever, they've turned their belief uh to that area and so um then he goes on and he goes ask for you always be sober minded endure suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry um word sober minded there I've underlined Greek word nepho literally means given to no wine uh or to abstain uh which is an imperative command uh or an imperative verb, which is a command, so uh, to be sober is a command, so that you can endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. This goes back to what we were talking about in verse 2, when uh, these are without participles. Uh, So again, you have a very militaristic uh, command here by Paul to Timothy, as far as, uh direct uh to the point. Uh the Greek word there evangelist in the context applies specifically to Timothy as his role as a preacher. Uh, but evangelist is a very it doesn't say the evangelist, it says do the work of an evangelist, which uh the implication here is is this is a general term to anyone who's going to spread the good news uh, of the gospel. Uh, so you know it applies to timothy as his role as a preacher but it applies to all christians uh from an evangelistic standpoint
1: yeah sure i think it's interesting i numbered this throughout the the text in my bible just just four things i i, I kind of made the, the application just just four duties of a preacher like you said it is uh applicable to all who teach but think about four duties that are required of a of a preacher. Number one, watch thou in all things. Number one, uh, watch yourself um, before you go out and teach others. Make sure you yourself uh, are are practicing what you're preaching. Number two, endure affliction. Simply stay committed despite afflictions. Uh, preaching is one of the most hardest is one of the hardest jobs, but one of the most rewarding. Keep on keeping on. Number three, do the work of an evangelist. Simply don't be lazy, be diligent, do it. And then number four, uh, do all that's required of you, uh, fulfill or make full proof proof of thy ministry. Um, this was Timothy's livelihood. This was his, his life, as are all preachers.
0: <clears throat> Great point. Very good point. Anything else on uh, verse five? I don't think so. I like what you said about Paul uh, earlier, about Paul practicing what he preached, uh, because I think that's the closing argument here in verses uh, 6 through 8. And we'll just go ahead and read. It says, For I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and th- uh, the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will appear, I will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who loved his appearing. <clears throat> and I think that's that's how Paul's closing this out. He, he's, he's implying to Timothy that what he is charging him to do is not anything that he hasn't done himself. And I think sure. it's interesting, if you go back to verse 1, that one of the witnesses that he calls to his charge is Jesus. And you can take it back even further, that Paul's saying, not only me, but what I am charging you to do, not only have I done myself, but the Son of God did this as well. Uh, he's Uh and, and Christ is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. Paul's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. And then he emphasizes the reward, uh, because he has kept this charge that he's giving to because he stayed faithful to the word, uh, despite the opposition. He has, uh, laid up for him a crown of righteousness. He's finished the course. And I like the verbs here. Fought the good fight, finished the course, kept the faith, all heirs tense. Uh, past tense, uh, successful, uh, there's success in all three of those things. He, he fought the good fight. He won the fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. And, uh, and then he's going to go on to his reward. That's right. Oh,
1: for sure. And you think about in verse, uh, verse seven, you could circle those three words. I wrote, I think you probably did this because I think it was in school. But uh, fight would be the Roman, uh, course would be a, a Greek, faith would be the Jew, and the Christian life is uh, categorized in those those three things. Um, I think Paul tells Timothy in First Timothy chapter six and verse thirteen, verse twelve, fight the good, fight, uh, lay hold on eternal life. Yeah, verse twelve. And um, but you could also write right beside the word fight. Second Timothy two two and three in this same epistle, uh, Paul tells Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier. Um, and then you right by the word course, I wrote First Corinthians nine twenty four. Um, we're running so we can obtain that that crown. Um, and then uh, interestingly too, just by verse verse um seven as well, you could write, write by verse six, is Philippians one twenty one. You know, it's interesting, Paul had a deep desire to be with Jesus and here he's ready. He's ready to, um, he, you know, obviously he wants to save souls, but he's ready to go be with
0: his Lord. No, That's a great point. And, uh, it takes the hope of, of heaven in order to put an individual to the point where he I, I I don't want to I I don't want this to come off like he was suicidal, but he preferred death over living because he knew what was on the other side of death. Um and so I have uh next to this verse also first Corinthians nine twenty-six. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beat in the air. Uh and so there is uh a control there is a, a standard by which he did these things, uh which he's been pointing out the entire time uh and as because he did these things according to the standard uh, he has a reward that has been promised to him. You have anything else on verse eight before we close out?
1: Oh uh, yeah, just one note, just um that last phrase, but unto all them also that love is appearing. not only was it for Paul was that crown of righteousness laid up, but it's also all those who Paul and Timothy taught um who could, who could have that that hope uh, and so there's there's another you know um uh, reason why Timothy should want to uh, preach the word no,
0: That's it's a great point and and I'm glad you brought that up because uh I circled the word all uh and I I just put the word me next to it and and uh, we'll close out with this thought there, there are areas, and, and the Bible's not going to call us out by name explicitly, uh, but it is possible for all of us to find ourselves in the Bible, find find uh, portions of the Bible where we are mentioned, and, and this is one of them. And so, so and I circle the word all and put me, and if I fight the good fight, finish the course, and I keep the faith, then... Paul's talking about me in this verse. He's talking about you in this verse, and he's talking about anyone who's willing to to adhere to this standard, uh, which uh, I always think personally is a beautiful thing to to try and find. Uh, I, I just say find yourself in the Bible if that makes sense, uh, and and this is one of those passages. Anything else, Noah? I don't think so. No. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is going to close out our episode. Uh, thank you, guys. And we sign off until next time.